0: We live in volatile, uncertain and complex times. So how do we navigate an age of uncertainty and complexity in global development? In this series, we explore the future of Partles, the Dutch Development Cooperation Association that brings together nearly 110 Dutch development NGOs. The podcast series is produced by Disrupt Development, the world's first post-growth innovation academy in global development. My name is Alexander Medek, the founder and innovation strategist at Disrupt Development. Donald, also in his capacity as Director of Friends of the Earth Netherlands, (Milieudefensie), supports the global transition to sustainable energy. Having a long-life commitment to a society in harmony with nature, Donald has been titled as one of the most influential persons in the Netherlands. In this episode, we talk with Donald about climate action. We discuss the current state of the climate, its consequences on inequality, migration, and conflicts, the importance of investing in resilience, and the historic victory in the court of Milieu defense against corporation Shell. Welcome, Donald, to the Partos Future Exploration podcast. I am very thrilled to have you here today. Thank
1: you very much for inviting me and uh, uh, providing me with the opportunity to have this discussion with you and the listeners, of course.
0: Thanks. Welcome, Donald. So recently, a new report came out of the IPCC. I think everybody heard about it, right? Uh, The conclusions were rather serious. So, Donald, could you perhaps share with us what the current state of the climate is globally?
1: In essence, the uh, report by the International Panel of Climate Scientists confirmed what we already knew. In uh, that sense, there's nothing new in, uh, in the report. It confirms that climate change is taking place, that human activities are the main cause of that, and that the impacts of climate change will be disastrous, especially for the most vulnerable in the world. Based on the Uh, research by international climate scientists, the World Bank concludes that an additional 100 million people will be forced into extreme poverty by 2030, and the World Health Organization expects that an additional 250,000, a quarter of a million of people annually, will die because of climate change-related natural diseases.
0: Wow, that's very serious and we are going to talk extensively about the consequences of climate change in a few. Before we're going to do that, I would like to zoom in on um an historic moment this year of milieu defense of the organization that you lead. So for the first time in history, a judge has held a corporation liable for causing dangerous climate change, led by the organization that you lead, milieu defense, together with 17,000 co-plaintiffs and six other organizations, the court in The Hague ruled that Shell must reduce its CO2 emissions by 45% within 10 years' time. So why is this such an historic victory, Donald? And will this have an enormous consequence for Shell and other big polluters globally, do you think? The
1: court order that will force Shell to substantially reduce its contribution to dangerous climate change makes it possible to achieve climate stability. To give you an impression, Shell is the 10th biggest polluter in the world. It emits 10 times as much CO2 as the total Dutch economy. And the emissions of Shell is comparable to the bottom half of, in terms of income of all countries in the world. So one company responsible for as much CO2 as the poorest half of the countries in the world. And Shell now has to reduce its CO2 by 50% in 2030 or 45%. That is, of course, enormous. This will allow us as a as a global society to achieve the climate objectives of stabilizing climate change in order for human societies to adapt to climate change. But the impact is even bigger. For the first time in history, Mm-hmm. Multinational companies are being held to account for the negative impacts of their activities on people globally, especially uh, the court decided for human rights impacts of their uh, activities. And this have uh, has a, a broader impact because it's not only climate change that is addressed through this court order, but really uh, the license to operate of multinationals globally. And I can imagine that uh, human rights organization will confront a multinational for other human rights infringements in another part
0: of the world. So are there any other plans to uh, go to court with, uh, for other multinationals, for example?
1: We are, of course, uh, still in a, in a victory mode. We're still celebrating. But indeed, the legal precedent that has been created through this court order can be replicated to other companies. Because, like I said, basically, it is holding multinational accountable for human rights uh, infringements. In this case, Shell, through its contribution to dangerous climate change. We are now engaging with other large polluters, uh, mm-hmm. both in the Netherlands and outside, to convince them to take the necessary steps to limit their contribution to climate change voluntarily, but uh, if that does not lead to results, we will then uh, we have the option to go to court again. And other NGOs globally are taking similar steps. An example is an NGO in France that is now taking uh, the French oil company Total to court with a similar demand that they also bring their strategy and investments in line with the Paris Climate Accord.
0: Wow, that sounds amazing, and uh, yeah, you must be very proud of uh, of of your organization who have managed to set a great example, a leading example globally in um, challenging these uh, big polluters. Hopefully more will follow, uh, Donald. Uh, um, let's see how uh, what the future will look like. So diving into some of these consequences you were already talking about in the beginning. In a series of workshops uh, from Parctels members, the Dutch civil society organizations came up with future uncertainties that might impact their work. Uh, climate change was one of them, one of the most important ones. So let's analyze a few of these future uncertainties that all these civil society organizations have come up with the first future uncertainty relates to the growing trends that climate change will lead to growing poverty and inequality like you already mentioned in an article that i've read and also like you have shared climate change could push 100 million people across the globe into poverty within the next 10 years that's incredible um, and very serious so what is your take on this how is this trend evolving and what can we do to stop it Climate change
1: is what is often termed in jargon a threat multiplier. So the impact of climate change is that already existing threats, both political and natural, are increased because of uncertainties and the pressure of climate change. To give you an example, almost unexpected developments like uh, it will increase the possibility for political fraud, uh, mismanagement because of the instability created by, by climate change. But more directly, is because of climate change, access to water will be impacted. More droughts, but also the heat waves causing forest fires. It will impact the agriculture, the availability of food. The indirect impact of that is, of course, water will be weaponized and politicized because as a, as a first human need, water, access to water can be, have, uh, have enormous, enormous political uh, repercussions. You can imagine wars because of water. And all of these developments will result in people starting to move away from danger, try to, to move towards places where uh, their lives are uh, not at risk, which will have an impact on migrant flows to, uh, to Europe, which can also impact political opinion in, in Europe. And of course, political opinion in the countries directly impacted by climate change.
0: So a lot of serious consequences it might have. Another trend that was mentioned as well by the various civil society organizations related to the correlation between climate change and increase of uh, migration and uh, conflicts. So will we be also seeing more people fleeing their homes due to climate change, do you think, in the next, let's say, 10, 20 years?
1: Yes, uh, my expectation is that it will. Uh, like I said, the the it will be the combination between the, the direct impact uh, because of droughts and the results of that, uh, people looking for, for a better future somewhere else. And I think it's good for us to say that people have a right to stay in their own family, in the, in the land of their birth. And this has enormous impacts on the most basic human right, not only the, the human right to have on life, Mm-hmm. but uh, the human light, uh, rights for, to start a family. Uh, and both of these will be impacted by, by climate change because once you're on the move, you don't have the possibility to start a family.
0: Exactly, yeah. So let's quickly move on to the third trend, and I think that also relates to a very important uh, element of of all these consequences. It's uh, resilience. Um, all civil society organisations uh, from the uh, Partos membership saw so a big imp- importance to invest in resilience, the resilience of the communities that are being hurt. Hard- the most by climate change, resilience of local civil society organizations, resilience of the systems around the civil society organizations, the governments, health, infrastructure. Why is it so important to invest in uh, resilience? And what is resilience in relation to climate change, do you think?
1: And it starts on, on the most basic uh, individual level. It is about the adaptability of individuals to changes in their environment. And that is directly related to really your income. The more financial means you have, the more opportunity you have to uh, develop uh, in different ways to a given threat. And the poorer you are, of course, the smaller your options and the more dependent you are on help from outside. So climate resilient development is in essence means ensuring that people have different options on a, on a basic individual level.
0: So it will be very important to significantly invest in resilience for the civil society organizations in the upcoming years. I think that's yeah. a very important uh, conclusion, right?
1: Indeed. Although also it's good to, to state that there should be two strategies that reinforce each other. On the one hand, we should continue as a global civil society to pressure governments and, and big business. To reduce their CO2 emissions, because if climate change continues unabatedly, it will be impossible to adapt to climate change. So it's not an either or strategy, either Mm -hmm. CO2 reduction or resilience. They need to reinforce each other. But the expectation is that especially in poorer countries and in vulnerable uh, communities, uh, they will feel the impact of climate change, whatever the outcome is of CO2 reduction. And that's the reason why we need to invest in climate resilient development in order to allow people to, to respond to the existing climate change impacts.
0: Yeah, exactly. So two strategies important to go hand in hand. I think the final trends that uh, the different civil society organizations um, identified also integrates both perspectives, if I'm correct. It's about new economic models. So the urgency to invest in new economic models is felt more by people and companies. And there are many great initiatives that focus on, for example, circular or regenerative economies and economic models. Are we doing enough, do you think?
1: This is a very important, but also politically sensitive issue. Because uh, what you see is that climate policy can exacerbate existing difficulties differences and inequalities. Mm -hmm. And that is something that that we need to be very careful uh, about. To give you an example, the climate policy in the industrialized countries already have a strong element of transfer of wealth from the poor to the rich. And this could be uh, replicated in developing countries if we are not careful. Poor people pay relatively more energy tax and higher income uh, groups get a relatively higher benefits from subsidies. So to give you an example, 80% of energy subsidies go mm-hmm. to corporations. And of the twenty percent, the largest portion go to higher incomes to subsidize people to insulate their houses, to buy a Tesla car, mm. uh, to put solar PV on their roof, and that's good that that is done. But people lower, in middle, and lower income people should also benefit from climate policy in terms of the gl- relation between the global South and the global North. There is a, a real danger that the global North transfers the cost of climate policy onto the Global South. And a very specific example Mm -hmm. is, of course, uh, bioenergy. In order to produce renewable energy in the industrialized world Mm -hmm. through the use of biomass, forests can be uh, logged in order to to have the wood to use in electricity production in the global north, that's one example. Another example is renewable energy. A renewable energy has an enormous potential to develop uh, a native industry in developing countries, so they can develop their own solar panel panel industry, uh, their own wind wind energy industry, their own house insulation industry. That is a, uh, has enormous potential. But the danger is that they become a dumping ground for Western technology. So increasing existing dependencies between the global north and the global south instead of stimulating independence.
0: Thank you for uh, providing us a comprehensive answer to to the question. Uh, I think it um, paves a good understanding of uh, how uh, complex and interrelated all these different elements and mechanisms are. Thanks for that. So one of the final questions, um, I'm curious, Donald, you have made great steps with uh, Milieu Defense this year in um, tackling uh, Shell and uh, creating like a new landscape, a paradigm shift, basically for uh, climate action. What is your personal uh, motivation or ambition for the upcoming years? What would you as an individual would like to accomplish in, let's say, the next 10 years uh, with Milieu Defensie?
1: I'm uh, nearly 50 now. Uh, my, my, I have three kids, of which the oldest is now 14. And really my basic motivation is the, the motivation that every parent uh, have in the world. And that is to ensure a better future for, for my kids. If I translate that to my job as director of Mondo Defense, we are working, I am working towards a situation in which the Netherlands is not a laggard in terms of climate action, both within the Netherlands and in, internationally, but that the Netherlands becomes frontrunner in developing climate solutions that can be implemented not only in the Netherlands, but also across the globe. We are one of the richest, most knowledge-intensive economies in the world. We have enormous power to contribute to the solutions to climate change. And that latent potential needs to be translated into concrete actions.
0: Yeah, beautiful. And how can the Dutch civil society organizations contribute to their journey, to their development on climate change, do you think? I'd say it starts
1: with uh, collaboration. Partly based on on a number of uh, developments, including the way we are financed, we tend to work very focused all in our different uh, terrains and uh, spheres of influence. But if we want to have impact, we have to uh, reach out to each other because we only have 10 years to achieve uh, global climate uh, stabilisation. And in the labor union world, they say no jobs on a dead planet. I would say no development on a dead planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an existential threat that we have to address on a similar level.
0: Beautiful final words, uh, Donald. Thank you very much for today, uh, providing us an, a better understanding of uh, the current situation of uh, the climate and the importance of uh, climate action, uh, how Milieu Defense is leading on climate action and um, how civil society organizations can also contribute by collaborating together. Thank you very much.
1: Very happy to have uh, had this chat with me.
0: Would you like to learn more about Aparthel's future exploration and explore how you can be involved Check out the link in the description for more information. Thank you for listening to the podcast channel of Disrupt Development, the world's first post-growth innovation academy in global development. We work with leaders, nonprofits, social enterprises, corporates, international institutions and governments to help them innovate, maximize impact and achieve systems change.